in the hierarchy of the universe, it's God, it's you and me, it's the angels, and then everything else is, is, is way, way, way down there. That's how it is. That's how powerful you are. When you come into yourself and you sense the power that God has put inside of you, then you become a world changer. Your neighbors, your town, your city, your village, your country, the world will know that you are a child of God. This teaching here, I, I believe to be one of the most fundamental in the body of Christ uh, for those of us who are already believers. Um, it is really, really important. Um, for years now, since I got this message from the Lord uh, a few years ago, um, somehow the Holy Spirit uh, seems to keep me here. Uh, and I have taught this um, across continents to, uh, to different groups of, of, of pastors and bishops and church leaders and to uh, individuals in the body of Christ as well. And, and the reason I, I believe this is very, very important is that in, in the story of God, in the continuum of time, of course, we know that God knows the end from the beginning. He's there from the beginning to the end and back and forth. Um, he is there. Time, uh, he does not exist in time, but he exists over time. So he can see everything all at once. Now, for you and I, um, when we got injected into the story of God by his grace as we got saved, um, we may have done so, you and I, more than likely um, uh, at least 2,000 years since Christ died. And even those um, who came before us 1,500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, um, uh, two, 1,900 years ago, uh, all of them would have been uh, invited into the body of Christ uh, at a time long after God created the world. So this is the thing. We get invited into the body of Christ and we are injected into the time continuum. Uh, and then, of course, we are so thrilled about our salvation and, and the promise of, of heaven and, and that journey with God. And, and what happens is, we don't know, for the most part, where we actually came from. And there's a lot of teaching in the body of Christ. You, you must have heard one version or the other. Um, the, the, the issue is that uh, sometimes these it, we're taught without the revelation to, to effectively do it. Or maybe we just don't divide the Word of God uh, properly because, of course, there's a proper way to divide the Word of God, as in the book of Timothy. And, and there's a wrong way of doing so now. Let us look at uh, what I'm calling this. It's called the government of Jesus Christ and our role in it. The government of Jesus Christ and our role in it. Now, it is so important that we go back to the beginning so that we can discover our purpose. What was the Father's original intention for creating you and me? Because you see, if you ask the uh, regular everyday Christian today, um, what our role in this world is. They'll probably tell you that, you know what, I, I, I go to church I, uh, on, on Sunday, I volunteer um, uh, every so often, and, and, and maybe even read my Bible. And then, of course, I wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back. Now, those are all good things, but listen to me. 
If that was all God wanted you to do in this world, he would have made you and left you up in heaven. He wouldn't have sent us here on earth. And this way we would just grow up in heaven, uh, uh, run around in the Garden of Eden or something with him uh, if, 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 if we, we stayed on earth. And, and then we would gr grow old with him and probably never even grow old. But uh, he had other plans for you and me. So if you go into the timeline of God, you have to understand why he created you and me in the first place. Because if you don't, then you live a life as a believer that is not driven by purpose. And that is why, if you look at the church today, most people are not living lives of purpose. They're not living lives that um, are called by God. Uh, they're not fulfilling their destinies. That is why there is so much confusion in the church today and why so many believers live lives that are empty for the most part. They're born again and they wait to die and go to heaven. Now, let me tell you something. The Father had a plan for you and me. Listen to this. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7, this is what it says there, okay? This is a scripture that we use a lot for, for the Christmas season, uh, talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to give you a different perspective right here in the scriptures. I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. God himself put it there. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. You heard the word. The government will be on his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Praise God. So when God created you and me, it's always been about the government of Jesus Christ. The government of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, the word used to describe the church in the scriptures, um, ecclesia, it describes the, it is, a, it is a governmental word. It is not the church as you and I have come to know. It is a governmental word. It talks about rulership. It talks about authority. It talks about government. Now, I'll get into that more detailly in a separate teaching. But I want to show you right now that, indeed, what we're talking about here is about the government of Jesus Christ and our role in it. God created you and me to be, um, to be important people in his plan for the world. He had a plan. He had a design. There was something he created you and I to do. And that's why we were put here on earth and not simply left up in heaven to hang out with him for eternity. Now, if we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, this is Genesis is the book of beginnings. We're talking about going back in God's timeline to the very beginning because that is where you will find purpose. That's where you'll find God's original plan and design for you and me. God's original plan for you and me was not salvation. If he designed you and I for salvation, it would mean like a lot of these technology companies do, they created a product. God would have created a product that was defective, planning later on to come with a fix called salvation to fix it. But listen to me. God does not create defective products. Amen. 
So we were perfect from the beginning. God's plan was never salvation. Salvation was simply plan B to bring us back to plan A. So your salvation was a was a an, an incident to revert us, you and me, to our original place in God, found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 27, and 28, the very book of beginnings. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and over the wild animals, and all of the creatures that move along the ground. All right, now, you and I were created by God, not simply to walk the earth, but to rule in this world. That's why we were created. Now, many of you here, um, when I teach this, sometimes people look at me uh, with like a deer in the, head, uh, in the headlight kind of gaze in their faces, you know, because you're thinking that your bank account is, is, is got no money. You don't even know how you're going to pay the rent or the mortgage at the end of the month. Um, your car is broken. Uh, you don't have money for, for food even, whatever the case may be. And you are judging yourself based on your circumstances. You're judging yourself based on your circumstances. But let me tell you this. If, if you take Prince Harry of the United Kingdom and you put the outfit of, um, of, a, of a, a waiter or a butler in a, in, a, in a restaurant or something. His identity doesn't change. He's simply Prince Harry wearing a butler's outfit. That's what it is, okay? If you take a goat and you put a tie around its neck, that goat does not become the executive of a company. It is just a goat wearing a tie. So your circumstances do not determine who you are. God says in the book of beginnings, from the beginning of time, his original intention for you and me were to rule in this world. And that's what you find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, right up to 28. You know what this means? He said that if your job has anything to do with the air, whether you work for a satellite company, an airline company, whatever the case may be, if your job has anything to do with the air, then you are supposed to rule in that realm. Because he says we are to rule over everything in the sky, everything on the land, and everything in the water. If your job has anything to do with the land, whether your office is in the, on, on, on land, as most people are, I would say, I'd say 100% of us are on terra firma, on the land, okay? You, my brother and my sister, you are supposed to rule in the job that you have. In the area of your calling, you are supposed to be at the head. You're supposed to rule. This is what this means. If it happens that you're working uh, on a job and whether it's, it's, it's marine related, uh, underwater, underwater, um, it, it doesn't matter. You are supposed to rule and to reign in that realm because that's how God put it. And there's a reason why he did it because in Proverbs chapter 29 verse 2, it says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked man rules, the people groan. So it was God's plan from the beginning to put you and I on top so that we would 
bring joy and peace to the world. And we could then now point the world back to God. So he had a plan and a design already for you and me. That's why we were created. Now, God didn't create you and me and then put us out there to go and to do things in our own strength. No, he made provision. There were three things God provided for us from the beginning of time. And his plan has never changed. I'll show you that in a moment. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, um, when God created man, we were created on the, he was created on the sixth day. The sixth day. Man went to sleep, woke up on the seventh day, and God, he woke up in the Sabbath of God. He woke up in the place of rest. Man did not have to toil. Man did not have to sweat. He woke up in rest. And that is why in Hebrews chapter 4, God says, our greatest toil, our greatest work in this world that he's called us to, is to labor to come back into that place of rest. That's what you and I, um, if, we would, if we want peace in our lives, our job is to labor to come into rest. We can talk about that a, a little bit later. But let me tell you this. I'm telling you that to say that God hasn't changed his mind concerning this place of rest for you and me. We're not supposed to toil as people of God. Toil only came when sin came into the world and God declared, um, he took his hands off uh, Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. That's when toil came in. But after Jesus Christ came back and restored us to the Father, you and I are not supposed to toil. I'll show you that in a moment. Now, three things God provided for us from the beginning. One was divine provision. Because in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not have to toil. Even today, you and I, we have divine provision. But most Christians are not experiencing divine provision. And there's a reason for it. Um, again, you want to come back because we're going to address that in another session. For right now, suffice it to know, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll develop this in, 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 in a bit more. Three things got provided. One was divine provision. You and I have provision in God. He hasn't changed his mind about that. I'll show you. I'm talking right now about the government of Jesus Christ on earth and our role in it, you and I. That's why I'm trying not to digress, okay? But we'll, 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 we'll cover it in some, other, in some other sessions. Divine provision. The next thing here is uh, that God provided was divine protection. The three Ps. Divine provision, divine protection. Divine protection um, is available. It was available to Adam and Eve. Again, they didn't have to toil to, to, to eat. Uh, they didn't have to. Listen, in the garden, God had created all of the animals and asked Adam to name them. Okay, So there were hyenas. There were tigers. There were, um, there were lions. There was all kind of uh, wild and powerful animals. Now, I read the Bible from end to end, and I don't remember any place where it said Adam was trying and with Eve to run and climb up a tree because a, a lion or a hyena wanted to have them for dinner. It didn't happen. There was divine provision in the beginning and, uh, and, and, and divine protection, that is. There was divine protection in the beginning, and that divine protection is available today. But that protection is available when you can Get up and find yourself in the place of rest. 
in the place of rest. In the place of rest. That's where divine protection, that's where divine provision, that's where they are located. Okay? And how do you get into the place of rest? Again, that's something we're going to have to develop later on. But I'm giving you background, bringing you back to the beginning uh, when, when God originally created you and I and gave us his enduring mandate. Now, the third thing, divine mandate. Divine mandate. So there was um, divine provision, there was divine protection, and there was a divine uh, mandate. But I call it divine power. So the three Ps, provision, protection, and power. Power to rule and to reign in this world. So God's divine power to us was given so that we could rule over everything that he had made. Everything he had made. And so there is a word that um, uh, you, you won't find it in the scripture, but it is called viceroy. Viceroy. You and I were created to be God's viceroys in this world. So who is a viceroy? A viceroy is someone that a king or a queen will handpick and send out from their kingdom to go to a foreign land and to colonize that land, okay? And this is the thing. A viceroy, while they are on the foreign land, they have the exact same powers as the king or the queen because they have the power to change the laws of the land they have the powers to enact new laws of the land. They have the powers to change anything and to protect the people there and to provide for them. That is what a viceroy does. You see, it is very different from an ambassador. Amb an ambassador, it's a powerful position, and we are ambassadors of Christ in the context that you and I, because an ambassador doesn't, decree anything of their own, an ambassador uh, does what they, are, um, what they are ordered to do or mandated to do by their superior, um, maybe the president, the prime minister, or even the king or a queen of a country. So we cannot institute anything but simply speak on behalf of our sender, on behalf of our master. So that's the role of an ambassador. The role of a viceroy is different. So this is the thing. You and I, we have dual roles. One as viceroys of God and the other one as ambassadors of Christ. But these are all positions of power and authority. A viceroyship and an ambassadorship, they are like two sides that complete a coin. That's what you and I, that's what, that's who we are. That's who you are. That's what God intended for us from the very beginning. So God created us, gave us a mandate, gave us protection, gave us provision, but these are all available in his rest. And the reason you see a lot of Christians are not fulfilling their mandate is because they don't have any rest. They're running around working three jobs and, and, and um, uh, pursuing the things of the flesh. They're not putting God first. They're not following the principles and the scriptures. Because if you do, it will lead you to the place where you put God first and you can enter into his rest. If you try doing it on your own, that's why you're not getting the breakthroughs. That's why you're praying and not seeing results. Because you're not living in God's rest. 
So you're not exercising, you're not taking advantage of his supernatural protection, his supernatural provision, and you're not exercising the power that God has put inside of you and me. And for that reason, the world is running around crazy because you and I were not fulfilling the roles that God put us on earth to fulfill. We're not doing the jobs that he called us to do. Now, this is the thing I want to share with you because you, you read all of this stuff and you think, well, yes, Brother Sam, that's excellent. Um, uh, that's some, uh, maybe some Old Testament stuff. Uh, it doesn't really apply to me. Um, I know about um, uh, my salvation in Christ. Uh, I am in Christ and, and, and I serve in the church and, and that is my purpose. Um, but this is because this is what most of you um, have heard all your Christian lives. Because when you know who you are, the pastor doesn't have to ask you to raise up your hands. I'm telling you, my brother and my sister, because you already know who you are. You know how to get into a place of fellowship with Jesus Christ. You know how to interact with the Holy Spirit. You know how to be who you have been called to be. You don't need to be coaxed. Nobody has to tell you uh, multiple stories to give you to so money in the kingdom of God. It just, people, nobody can, see me, nobody can stop me from sowing in the kingdom of God. Nobody can, because I know too much how beneficial it is to do so. You understand? Because I have read the scriptures and I know what it says. I know what it says about me. This is the difference. If you know who you are and who God calls you to be, there is a way you interact with the scriptures. There is a way you interact with the body of Christ. There is a way you interact with the world that make people know almost instantaneously that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. That you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the really important thing. Okay, fine. You may not have lived your life in times past like you were supposed to live. A viceroy of the kingdom of God, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is saying to you, uh, you are not condemned. Okay? Uh, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So you are not condemned. What God is saying to you, though, is today is the day of reckoning. Today is the day you change, your, you, you, you turn things around and begin to live the life that he called you to live. Because I'll tell you this, when you live that life, uh, money is not an issue. There is nothing I want to do in this world that I can't do. Because I know that if God put it in my heart, he's going to give me the provision. It's that simple. I want to chase after that which God has called me to do. He doesn't owe me anything outside of his call on my life. If that call means that we own a 50-story a, a uh, building, then so be it. If that call demands that we own an airplane to fly around the world to do his work, then so be it. But I am not chasing anything outside of what God has called me to do. The success that we have in our lives today has been predicated on that. Chasing after what God has called us to do. And he says in his word... In Matthew chapter 6, 33, if you seek him first, if you seek him first and his kingdom and his righteousness, everything that you need, he will provide. That is his commitment. That is his commitment to you. So let me tell you this. God's plan for you and I, it has never changed. That is the good news. So it doesn't matter how you lived in times past. Today, you know differently. 
And I'm saying to you that according to the scriptures, God has not changed his mind concerning you and I. The scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? He's no respecter of persons. If he does it for uh, one man of God, one woman of God, he will do it for you as well. Now you know the truth, and that truth can set you free. Say amen. You know the truth now, and it can set you free. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 46, I'm trying to demonstrate to you that God's plan for you and I, it has never changed. He hasn't changed his mind about you at all. In Genesis chapter 1, 26, he said he put you on this earth, made you in his exact image so you would rule and reign in the world. Now, in Psalm chapter 8, verse 46, this is what it says. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. It says, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than Elohim and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under their feet. This is in the Psalms. God has not changed his mind about you and me. I want to point something out here, though. If you look at the King James Version of the Bible, it says uh, Elohim. Uh, the, the word there is Elohim. Um, you have made them, uh, verse 5, you have made them a little lower than the Elohim and crowned them with glory and honor. Now, some scriptures that a lot of uh, Christians have looked at, uh, it translates the word Elohim into angels. So basically it says, you have made them a little lower than angels. Um, and the thing is, I, I believe the original um, uh, translators of the scriptures, they couldn't fathom that God was saying that he created man just a little lower than himself. So the word there is not angels. He said you have created them a little lower than God. That's what it says. Because Elohim, that Hebrew word, is used in various ways. Two main ways uh, the, the, the word is translated is angels and God. Angels and God. So they chose to put angels in there. But I am saying to you that what that scripture actually says is that God created us a little lower than himself. Not angels. Because, you see, I'll show you in, the, in a moment. In the hierarchy of the universe... It's God, it's you and me, it's the angels, and then everything else is, is, is way, way, way down there. That's how it is. That's how powerful you are. That's how powerful you are. I'm really hoping that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about this so that um, uh, when you come into yourself and you sense the power that God has put inside of you, then you become a world changer. Okay, your neighbors, your town, your city, your village, your country, the world will know that you are a child of God. They will know that you are a child of God because the power and the fire and the light that is in you, it cannot be quenched. It cannot be hidden. Okay, now let's look at um, Psalm chapter 82, verse 6 and 7. I'm going to prove to you now that uh, in, in Psalm 8, 46, God was talking about, uh, it wasn't uh, angels uh, in verse 5. It was actually God. Listen to what Psalm chapter 82, verse 6 to 7 says. It says, I said, this is God. You are gods, all sons of the Most High. Now, listen to me. God is saying, I am saying that you are gods, all of you. You are all sons of the Most High. But this is the thing. You see, I'm African, okay, and we get very, very emotional, all right? When I read the second part of Psalm chapter 82, verse 6 to 7, my Bible fell from my hand. Listen to what it says. It says, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Immediately, 
in my spirit, I said, I will not die as another mere mortal. I will fulfill my destiny in this world as the son of God. Amen. If you want to, you could repeat the same prayer. Because the thought that God has given us everything, created everything, and put it under our feet. And he says, I say you are God's. But then he turns out in the same statement and says that, but most of you will die as mere mortal. I say, no, I will fulfill my destiny in Christ. Amen. Amen. So what I'm showing you here, though, is two things. One, God was referring to you and I being God's in his image. Okay. Um, in, in Psalm chapter 8, verse 46, and in 82, 6, and 7, he is telling you that you are at the top of the hierarchy, just a little lower than him. Okay? Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3 to 4. This is what it says. Now, the Corinthians, give a bit of back, background. The Corinthian church was very much like the church of, the, of God on earth today. Um, uh, they, they, there was bickering, there were arguments, there were lawsuits, there, were, there was gossip. All of that stuff was going on. And, and the brothers in the church were taking each other to court, all right? And then Paul writes to them and says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? This is what he's saying to the Corinthian church. So, well, again, there's another piece of proof. You cannot be judging angels if angels are above you, you see. You are above the angels, and that's why you're going to be judging them. Paul says, do you not know that you will? we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes among such matters, do you ask for ruling from those uh, whose way of life is scorned in the church? So here we are. I'm showing you that God's plan for you has never changed. From the beginning, he created you to be a ruler in this world, a viceroy and an ambassador for him. And that plan has never changed. Now we're moving through the scriptures to prove that to you. And by the grace of God, by the time we get to the end of it, you would have felt in your spirit an awakening to your true identity. An awakening to your true identity. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Matthew 16, 19. This is what this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking to his disciples. He said that um, this is before he went back up to heaven. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now that is you think about that and it's mind boggling. Listen to me. <laughs> you and I have the power to determine how many people will be in heaven when the Lord comes back. We have the power to accept people into the beloved, into heaven, and we have the power also to reject them. And a good way you do that is by keeping your mouth shut and not professing the good news to your neighbors, to your friends, to your colleagues, to the uttermost parts of the world. That was a mandate that the Lord left us for, left us with. And if you're not doing that, what you are doing by implication is you are preventing people from entering into the kingdom of God. The Lord says that I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this. God didn't say, 
When you bind something on earth, it's going to get into heaven. I will call my angels and my board of directors and all the deacons, and we will sit in the boardroom and we will discuss what to do with the thing that you have bound in heaven. No, that's not what he said. He said, whatever you bind on earth, when it gets to God's desk in heaven, he just stamps it. He doesn't even read it because his son or his daughter, whom he has already given the power to rule and to reign in this world, to whom he has already put under everything under his or her feet, they have made the decision. And God says, I rubber stamp it. I don't even have to read it. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Does that sound like uh, someone who is an ordinary person in this world? No. No. You are a powerful person, an important piece of the puzzle. You are important in this world. You're very important in this world. Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus, the Lord himself, he said. Um, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, all God continues to show you and me is that we are not ordinary people, folks. We are not ordinary people. There are times I have shared this before. I get into a space, whether I'm doing business or ministry, when I get in, I feel like everybody should be standing up because I have come with the, with, with the presence of the God of heaven and earth with me. He walks with me as he walks with you. That's the power that you and I have, but not so that you can just beat your chest and say, I'm a son of God or I'm a daughter of God. It is so that you can be his hands and his feet in this world. It is that you can make a difference in the lives of people. When people meet with you, their lives must be different. Their lives must be different for the better. That is what needs to happen because they must know, they must wonder, why is she or he doing the things she or he is doing? It doesn't make sense. Why would anyone just want to give me their money? Why would anyone just want to help me in this way when it doesn't benefit them in any way? Because you are a carrier of the glory of God. That's who you are. As a matter of fact, I have a teaching called exactly that. Carriers of the glory of God. But that's who you and I are. We are representatives of the God of heaven. We are his viceroys. We have the power to bind and to loose in this world. We have the power to change people's lives for good and point them to Jesus Christ. That's why we were created. In Matthew chapter 28, Verse 19 to 20, the Lord Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So here again, power and authority. To go to the whole world. And to teach them to observe all the things that God called you and I to do 
in this world. All the things that he taught us, we are supposed to get out there and to teach other people. But unfortunately, uh, most believers, and Paul had this issue even with some of the churches, most believers are still like children who want to be fed all the time. Feed me, feed me. They're still sucking on milk when they should be eating meat. You are supposed to be a teacher of the gospel, winning souls for God, impacting the world for him. But most of you, that's all you do. Call for prayers, ask for prayers. Uh, me, 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 I, I am broken, I'm a nobody. These are the things, can you imagine? Can you imagine? You were walking one day, not realizing that your child was having a conversation with your friend. And you heard them say, ah, oh, in our house, man, we, we, we never have enough food, never have a proper place to sleep. Um, oh, we're, just, we're just broke all the time. Uh, we're nobodies in our family. Nobody has ever achieved anything. We're, we're, we're nobodies. And you heard that. Your child didn't know you were listening. And you heard that sort of thing spoken about you and your household and about you yourself. How would you feel? How would you feel? Imagine how the God of heaven feels. The one who created you and me and gave us a mandate and has given us so much. And all you do all day long is run around being broken, acting broken, speaking broken. How do you think he feels? God doesn't have a plan B, you know. He doesn't have a plan B for you and me. Outside of Jesus Christ, that's it. There is no other plan. You are his first plan to bring um, healing to this earth. It's you and me. So when you're not doing what you've been called to do, yes, you are binding people from getting into heaven. You are binding people from getting into heaven. So, in the book of Isaiah, we are told that um, it's always been about the government of Jesus Christ. Because in John chapter 1, it says that everything was created in him, through him, for him. Without him, there would be nothing. It's always been about the government of Jesus Christ. And he says to you and me, that I want you, I invite you to be partakers of this divine destiny, to be partakers of this divine power and authority, to rule and to reign in this world, and to introduce the culture of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Because you see, when an earthly king, uh, I'm from Cameroon in West Africa, many people here from the Caribbean, if you're not from there, you've traveled there before. In the heat of the day, when the sun is so hot, that you can't stand for two minutes without perspiring. What do we do? We drink tea. We drink tea. Why? Because for those countries that were colonized by Great Britain some time ago, you see, when a viceroy goes over to a territory to rule it, what they do is they introduce the culture of the home country, the home kingdom, they introduce that culture in the new land. So that if the king or the queen were ever to visit, they have the same amenities, the same facilities as they had 
back in their kingdom. That's how it is. So while you are expecting the Lord Jesus to come down and to introduce the culture of the kingdom of heaven, God is saying that is exactly why I put you on earth to do. To introduce the culture of the kingdom of heaven where it is love and forgiveness and patience and, and um, helping one another and faithfulness. These are the things that are part of the kingdom of heaven. And God is saying, I introduce them in this world. Introduce them on earth. That's our job, you and me. Amen? So I'm going to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would minister to you um, and, and get you to realize exactly who you are. Because otherwise, um, first of all, you, you cannot live a fulfilled life as a Christian, not fulfilling your destiny. And then when you get before the Father, how do you expect him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? That is not for some people. It's for everybody who is a believer. But it's not going to happen if you don't fulfill God's call on your life. So, Father, I thank you for your children. I thank you for the opportunity to minister this word to them. I pray now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would minister to their hearts and cause an awakening in their spirits so they come into themselves and realize once and for all who they are in Christ so that they too can go forth and preach your gospel and fulfill destiny. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Let your will be done. Let your name be glorified in all the things that we do, in all the ways that we think, and even in the words that come from our mouth. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.